Well, hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast of the Grove Church where we go through the Bible book by book in a way that is deep, but also easy to understand. If you would like to follow along, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and subscribe to the Solid Life Whole Bible Reading Plan. Uh, we also have physical Bible reading plans available in the church lobby every Sunday. Yeah, and if you have any questions that you would like to be answered about the Bible, uh, feel free to email us your questions at info at grove.church. That's info at grove.church. We actually just completed our first ever Q&A episode. So if you're curious, look through uh, the available podcast. That's going to be there. Um, obviously, we can't get to every single question, um, but we want to carve out at least some time to start answering those. Um, really great questions this last month. Um, we had some hard ones that really stumped me and Evan that created a lot of conversation, which actually... Um, help me and Evan even grow deeper in our relationship with God and the word. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much to all of you who put those questions in, but we're looking forward to next month. Um, I'd say bring your hardest questions. Um, bring your, bring your medium questions. Yeah. Bring your medium <laughs> questions. <laughs> it may be a softball or two, you know, yeah. it's totally fine. <laughs> Just kidding. No, we loved it, but man, let's get started with this week and let's read the Bible. So our first book that we're moving through is the book of Genesis. And and one thing I wanted to highlight, and it, it's a one story in it, but it's Jacob wrestling with God and, and really the whole story of Jacob. And so if you remember in the beginning, we talked about how um, you can almost divide Genesis into two halves, not that they're equal in the sense of like, you know, one half is definitely a lot shorter than the other, but there's a 30,000 few uh foot view level, which kind of looks over everything. And then you get zoomed into Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. So this four generations of one family, God calls Abraham all the way through to Joseph. And Jacob, I feel, is like one of the most interesting characters of the Bible. And, and, and he and the reason I think that is because his story goes against so many of the narratives that we can fall into if we're really um if we're not paying attention to what is Christian's the gospel truly is about. And so if we remember back, uh, Isaac and his wife, Rebecca have two twin sons. Uh, the firstborn of the two twins is named Esau. Uh, and the second one is named Jacob. And they name him Jacob because he literally comes out grasping onto the heel of his brother. And, and Jacob is a name that means uh, trickster or deceiver. And so if you have friends named Jacob, you can now make fun of them to your heart's content. That's what the <laughs> name is. Um, but I think the really interesting story of what goes on with Jacob is 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 about his name. Yeah. And there's there's an interesting theme in his story about how he continuously lives up to his name. And so if we when we go through, uh he gets almost everything that he has by deception. And so he gets Esau's birthright, we'll remember when we're reading through that, by taking advantage of him. Esau comes in, he's hungry, and he's like, Jacob, can you please make me something? And Jacob's like, Oh, sure. If you give me your birthright, which is just a jerk thing for a brother to do in the first place. But how hungry was Esau? That's also true. But I mean, like, I don't know. I love my brother. I would never do that to him, but it is what it is. Um, he gets his father's blessing by tricking him into thinking he's Esau. And so, and, and again, sometimes it's so easy when we read the Bible to um, to not truly think about what's happening. Like, here's a man who takes his blind, dying father and he tricks him into blessing his other son instead. Like yeah, he puts fur on his arm from an animal that he killed. 
Probably because, deepens his voice, yeah. Because that was the only way his blind father could distinguish between Esau, the strapping young gentleman who I picture as Gaston from Beauty and the Beast. It's a great picture. Yeah. And es- or and Jacob, who I don't know if you guys know what I look like, but let's just say I don't look like Gaston. <laughs> um probably looked a lot like me, who doesn't have a lot of hair on his arm. He's literally a deceiver. If we're talking about Which how he I'm picture... Not, I'm not saying I'm a deceiver, but I'm sure. saying he probably physically looks like me compared to Gaston. If we're talking about how we picture Esau, this is just a total side note, but uh, Hamish from Braveheart has always been my mental picture. So there you go, for what that's worth. I thought Hamish was from The Hunger Games. No, Hamish. The oh, big, two different movies. Big okay. redheaded friend. Yep, okay. They won't let us train with stones, that guy. <laughs> uh, but anyway, sorry, total, that, was a total, <laughs> that was a total sidetrack Copyright there. infringement. All that being said, uh, if we keep moving forward in the story of Jacob, uh, he gets his uncle's flocks by, again, tricking him. He uses a little bit of deception. And, and what I wanted to read was the passage of Genesis where Jacob wrestles with God And we're going to see some incredible things happen. So in Genesis 32, starting in verse 22, it says this. The same night he arose and he took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 children, and he crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He went, he took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. And so just to pause there for a second, what's happening here is Jacob's about to go meet Esau. Again, he's tricked Esau out of so many things. He's convinced that Esau is going to kill him uh, when he sees him, or at the very least be extremely angry. And so he sends his family and all of his people along ahead of him, and he stays back because it, it seems like he just wants to be alone. And then it's just this weird throwaway line, and a man wrestled with, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. Uh, and so to continue on, when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. And then he said, let me go for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. And he said, Why is it that you ask for my name? And there he blessed him. And so Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him, and he was limping because of his hip. And I think it's so interesting to me that Jacob wrestles with this guy until daybreak. Because again, it's so easy to skip past This is ours. (laughs) <laughs> of this is going on. And what I think, and again, this is um, this is just my opinion. Um, the Bible doesn't explicitly say this, but what I, what I think is happening here is that when the man says, let me go for a state break, and he says, not until you bless me, I think Jacob wants to earn it. I think he's spent his whole life tricking people into blessings. All of the things they have is by deception, and he's coming face to face with the man he's probably deceived the most, his brother, he was deceived twice. And just once before all that happens, Jacob wants to actually get a blessing that he's earned. And he's not going to trick this guy out of his blessing. He's going to basically put him into a submission hold until until he gives him his blessing, which is just it's an it's an incredible just picture of the pain that Jacob's going through. And you can almost hear it when the man says, What is your name? And Jacob has to look at him and answer, My name's Trickster. Mm-hmm. My name's Deceiver. And then in that moment, not only does – and again, it's revealed later that this, this is actually it's, – it's God wrestling with Jacob. 
he doesn't just bless them. He also changes his name. And he says, mm-hmm. okay, from this point on, you're no longer Jacob. You're now Israel. And, and he changes his name from trickster, deceiver, um, to Israel, which means prince of God. Yeah. And I think it's interesting. And the, the pastor in me, whenever I read this, I think there's just so much um, application mm-hmm. um, from even this one story. I mean, so often we look at, you know, Paul's writings and, and we look at, you know, the, the teachings of Jesus and that there's application in those, obviously, because they're literally teachings. But I think even as we look in stories like this, there is just so much, really just so much application. Um, I remember studying this in college and the one thought, and I hope this helps somebody out there. The one thought that I had through all of this is that when you get alone with God and you wrestle with him, you walk away changed. And maybe that's for somebody out there who is struggling with the idea of God. Maybe that's somebody out there who's struggling with um, really maybe having understanding of the scripture. Man, can I just encourage somebody out there? Get alone with God. Open your Bible. Put some worship music on <laughs> and pray and just say, God, I'm not going to leave this room until I walk away changed. And I think that's something that maybe we've lost in today's day and age with just everything is just at our fingertips and we don't take the time to walk through um, what it really looks like to have an intimate, deep relationship with God. And man, as we're doing that, I just want to encourage somebody out there, uh, take some time this week and dive deep into the scripture. Um, Don't just read it face value, dive deep. All right. Well, as we move on, we're actually going to be continuing in the book of Acts. Um, I love the book of Acts. It just talks a lot about some central figures to the early church. Uh, and today, uh, we're going to highlight um, an interesting passage. Yeah, when you uh, when you said this is the one you want to do, I was a little bit... It was interesting. Yeah, because as much as I say it's one of my favorite, it's also um, kind of tragic. Um, I And I get like every single week I say something's my favorite. I just like the Bible, all right? So don't judge me. <laughs> it's a good book. Yeah, but... Um, this is a story of Paul and Barnabas, who are two central figures in the early church. And uh, man, we look at like the history and we just think everybody got along in the early church. Um, and let me tell you, not much has changed. Uh, people don't always get along. All right. No one's perfect. And Paul and Barnabas actually have a little bit of an issue. Um, to give you a little bit of background, um, there was a guy named John Mark who actually was the author of the Gospel of Mark. And, um, uh, before he wrote the gospel, he, what I would say, was probably a young punk kid who thought he had everything together and actually went with Paul. Um, and, and Paul had some tension with him because he actually abandoned um, their missionary journey to go home. And Paul, you know, rightfully so, kind of lost some respect for him. Um, but Barnabas really wanted... John Mark to go on this trip with uh, this missionary trip with them. And so we're actually going to pick up in Acts 15, verse 36 through 41. It's only five verses. We're going to read them real quick. And it says this, after some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord and see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark, but Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas, and as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. Verse 41, then he traveled throughout Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches there. So why do I like this passage? Interesting question. 
The reality is through such tragedy of a friendship even breaking up and we actually see farther down that it was bigger than just a disagreement. This was a major rift in Paul and Barnabas's relationship. We actually see that the gospel gets spread faster. And I think it's just such a, such an interesting thing. And in, in that, that maybe the enemy tried to destroy something, but in yeah. doing so actually spread the gospel a lot quicker. Well, it reminds me of Romans where, um, and it's actually Paul writing, it says, you know, God works all things together for the good of those who love him. And so even in this um, this moment of tension and really this this great relationship being broken, God even uses that uh, for his own purposes, which I think is it's just a beautiful thing. And I don't know if we touched on this or not, but John Mark, if you're wondering what happened with him, uh, he actually went on to write the Gospel of Mark. That's who wrote it. And so we um, we see this kind of full redemption of you know, Paul might be right to a certain extent of like, hey, listen, you've got to be committed to the mission. And at the same time, Barnabas wanting to show Mark mercy. Look what came out of that as well. Yeah. Uh, we get a whole, we get a whole gospel out of that. So yeah, it's, it's a wonderful thing. It's really interesting because man, let me tell you, don't ever count anybody out. There might be people in your life that have, you know, frustrated you. There might be people in your life that have maybe turned their back on you. You know, God can still use them for his redemptive purpose as well. Absolutely. Speaking of gospels and never counting anybody out, we're going to go to Matthew now. Uh, Matthew chapter 14 is one of the, it's one of the most interesting, when we were looking at the chapters that we were going over this week, 14 has a bunch of highlights really. And so I wanted to go through and just kind of touch on the chapter as a whole and and what's going on. So chapter 14 covers the death of John the Baptist, the feeding of the 5,000 and Jesus walking on the water. Um, Obviously John the Baptist, an incredibly important figure, um, particularly in in starting up Jesus's ministry. Mm -hmm. And then I would say, I mean, the feeding of the 5,000 Jesus walking on water are probably the two most famous miracles, or at least they're in the oh, Jesus' top five, if we <laughs> want to call it that. They're, uh, they're very popular ones that most of us have heard about before. And so just to kind of touch on a few points from these different stories, we get to see in the death of John the Baptist a few different things. Number one, truly how depraved humans can be. And I, I think it's it's very easy for us today, particularly in modern culture, to kind of assume like, well, you know, obviously we would never do those things back then. But I think there's something important to looking at what the Bible says. And and one of those things is truly how easy it is for human beings to slip into evil. And I think, you know, as we're recording this, I think it was uh, yesterday or the day before was um, the Holocaust Memorial Day. And it's a really interesting thing when you look at um, you know, entire people groups being convinced to dehumanize other people groups, or even like, you know, with America in particular, with, with slavery, you see um, people of the time, many of whom would say that they love the Lord, and yet being so convinced of lies that they just kind of slip into evil. And I think this is what's going on with Herod. We see absolute depravity. Um, John the Baptist is killed. And then what we see is is really interesting is that when Jesus hears about this, Jesus wants to go be alone. And sometimes we think of Jesus kind of always being on, always ministering, always um, just going at it 100%. But really, um, we see Jesus, he has to take a break. And we know that they're close. They were cousins. Um, Obviously, they have some relationship. And he just needed to get away for a little bit and um, 
and really just talk with God about everything that's going on. Which and here's and here's what I would say about that: if Jesus needs to do that, uh, so do we. Yeah. <laughs> so I love this. This chapter actually talks a lot about Jesus's humanity. Mm-hmm. You know, so often we see Jesus meeting um, spiritual needs and even like physical needs to like the point of like. You know, feeding 5,000 people. Yeah, like healing <laughs> blind men and, and raising them to life, right? Or raising dead men to life. But really, we see Jesus, um, I wouldn't say mourning, but I mean, in a sense, he knows that he will see John again. So right. I don't think there's that level of mourning. But it's just that we, we always picture Jesus only as God. But we all know from Scripture that he's fully God and fully man. And this is part of his humanity coming out. Yeah, not to talk too much about it because obviously it'll come up later. But in the book of John, we see uh, when Jesus' friend Lazarus dies, um, Jesus knows even in that context, I'm going to bring him back to life like the next time I see him. And yet even in that moment, he weeps with those who weep. He mourns with those people who are mourning his friend. Um, Jesus is not just kind of above everything else, but he's also willing to interact with us on, on a human level, which I think is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, but Jesus wants to be by himself. The crowd doesn't necessarily agree with that. And so they find him <laughs> where he goes. And so that's where we get the story of the feeding of the 5,000, which is an incredible miracle. Uh, five loaves, two fish, a boy brings it up and Jesus multiplies that for enough food to feed. Um, it says 5,000 men. And so if we're including women and children, the numbers probably double that. And so just an incredible miracle. And then after that's over, uh, Jesus begins, he takes his disciples and they sail back to where they're on. So they're uh, on the water. And then it says that a storm comes. And so they're very afraid. And then this is where we get the miracle of Jesus walking on water. And so they see, they see Jesus in the distance. Jesus calls Peter out of the boat. Peter comes out. Um, and not to get too much into it for time's sake, but what, <clears throat> what I think is really interesting is that in these two miracles, what we're really seeing is that the disciples are beginning to get it. That Jesus isn't just a teacher, he's not just a rabbi, um, and he's not even a prophet. And the prophets did a lot of miracles, but they're understanding like this is this guy is something more than even the prophets. And so in Matthew 14, 32 through 33, it says, And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to think like now that's when they start saying it. Not when... <laughs> Not when he performed any other miracles, not when he just fed 5,000 men, a.k.a. you know, 10 to even you know, 12,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. But it's when he's walking on water out to them, and then Peter gets out of the boat, walks on water to Jesus, starts sinking. Jesus picks him back up, walks him back to the boat. That's when they say, truly, you are the Son of God. And like you said, it's it's cool to see the disciples just really their worldview is starting to shift from this guy's a good teacher to this guy is the son of God. And man, I think some of us, maybe we need that revelation sometime of Jesus wasn't just a good teacher. Jesus was the son of God. Jesus didn't just perform miracles. Jesus was the son of God. Jesus didn't just preach to people. He was the son of God. Absolutely. Well, that wraps it up for another episode of Let's Read the Bible. We are a podcast of the Grove Church, but we are not the only podcast of the Grove Church. If you would like to see all of the different podcasts that we offer, as well as other resources, you can visit our website at grove.church. We will see you all next week.